What's up, everyone? It is December 24th, 2019. Merry Christmas and happy holidays to you, and welcome into this edition of Washington Football Crunch. I am Micah Chen of Cascadia Preps, and I'm joined by Luke Monger of Dogman and Jackson Gardner of Coog Fan. So this past Sunday, Jimmy Lake, he jump-started a new era in UW's offense when he fired offensive coordinator Bush Hamden. But I also believe that this can be seen as a double-edged sword because, you know, the, the offense, you know, they were dropping passes. The O-line, even though they had five new starters back, they were underachieving. Um, Jacob Eason, maybe he just wasn't ready yet. So, Luke, like on the blame spectrum, yeah. where do you place Bush Hamden? I don't know. I mean, it's tough. I, I think that, uh, you know, you, you make a few good points uh, that, especially in the dropped passes category. Um, but I, I think another thing to consider with that is then you saw before Puka got hurt that he was the few games that he was playing perhaps the most dynamic target on the roster. And then uh, Terrell Bynum was the leading receiver for the Huskies for the better half of the second half of the year, right? So it's like, what took so long for that to happen? Is that a coaching thing, right? Personnel decisions. Yeah, exactly. And then on top of that, um, I think obviously it's not like, I don't know. uh, This is his second year, you know, and... Uh, his first year as an offensive coordinator, I think a lot of people felt the Husky offense underachieved as well. So I think uh, th- th- there are a couple things. I-, I think first and foremost uh, that I-, I think it was just time for a change in terms of, it, like, I don't know, a- after Jonathan Smith was averaging like 37, 38 points a game for the Huskies when he was their offensive coordinator, and then there's a big step down when Bush is there. I, I think it's reasonable to to believe two years in that it probably some of that is his responsibility. I also think that um, with Jimmy being promoted to head coach, I think that obviously he'll have I mean, he'll be a thought leader on both sides of the ball. But I think it's time for the Huskies to pay to bring in um, a guy that they can really trust with kind of the keys to the offense and uh, to kind of run his own little show on that side of the ball. So. Uh, not to say I know who that is, but I, I think that it partially it's because Bush Hamden was underperforming. But I also think that there was a little bit of uh, like it, it's time for Jimmy to kind of, I guess, not necessarily clean house, uh, but I guess put his stamp on the offense. And, and by doing so, uh, removing the guy who was previously the offensive coordinator and bringing in someone that kind of matches more his aggressive uh, play style. I, I guess, or the, the style that he's kind of branding himself as. Um, because I, I feel like, at least from my opinion, I have no idea if this this probably didn't go into his decision at all. But if you are the defensive coordinator, you're promoted to the head coach, and then you keep the OC, like what really changes? You know what I mean? Like it's still the same guy on the other side of the ball running the offense. Presumably you have a big hand in running the defense. And so it's basically you're like the DC with a glorified title, right? So yeah. now it, it's time for him to bring in someone that uh, is one of his guys. Yeah, well, you, you know what's one thing that I, I reckon probably is on Jimmy Lake's mind is that, you know, as you know, it's glamorous to be the head coach and all that, but most of the time you only get one shot at being a head coach. And if you do that one, if you get that one job well, you might get more opportunities. But this is kind of his make or break opportunity here. So... Even if you're just slightly uncomfortable, maybe he thinks that you know, uh, you know, Hamden 
is a great offensive coordinator. He's just not quite what he's looking for. And but if you if you're in Jimmy Lake's position and you're thinking this is my shot to be a head coach, I'm going to sell out on everything that I believe for and I want everyone exactly who I want hmm. in my position or in on my staff, then I'm going to do whatever I need to make that happen because this if I don't make it this time, then I may never get another opportunity. So I don't think that he looks at Bush Hamden and says, "Ah, like you're the you're the problem or uh, you know, you just weren't. You, this was you were underperforming. I think he looks at Bush Hamden and sees a great offensive coordinator. I just think he wants something different. And, and perhaps you're right, Luke, that maybe just something, something different could could feel like that. There's there's more hope. But I don't think when they're going to go find an offensive coordinator, it's going to be dramatically different. I think they're still no. going to look relatively like the same offense. Maybe they'll be more productive. But in terms of what it looks like, I think it's going to be the same. But I think this was more about Jimmy Lake just getting his coaching staff, the coaching staff that he wants to put all of his chips in because, you know, this is his opportunity now. Yeah, well, firing Bush Hamden, that was almost expected. Like, it'd be surprising if mm-hmm. that did not happen. But what Jackson, what you're saying, like, hey, we, I got to go all in right now because it's mm-hmm. my opportunity and I don't play games. Uh, he also went ahead and fired a tight end coach, Jordan Pow Pow. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can be seen as a little head scratching because he sent, like, by the time Hunter Bryant gets drafted, that'll be his fourth tight end uh, since he joined, the, since he became the tight end yeah. coach in 2011. But it might be something along the lines of we need to get the most we can out of the tight end room. Like, we're doing good right now, but we want, we are, our expectations. Like, they're higher than ever now because I'm in charge yeah. and that's what I expect. Yeah, I know. I mean, that was a little, I mean, that was, I took that by surprise as well, considering like Pow Pow had, he had survived, you know, two regimes or yeah. not, not two, but he had, he was with Sark. He, they brought him aboard. He stayed on uh, for, for Chris Peterson. Now they're, they're moving on. So that, that was a little surprising and considering how successful the tight ends at Washington have been. But I also think that probably, you know, Position coaches have other duties besides just coaching their positions. You know, there's a lot of stuff that has to be taken into account when you're talking about an assistant coach. So maybe it was something else. I don't because like you're right. You look at the track record of the UW tight ends and you say, how on earth could you possibly think this guy is not worth it? You've put out, you know, two NFL tight ends in the Mm -hmm. past in the past two years. And you have two more. And now you have two more on deck like what's what's going wrong here i you know that certainly doesn't look like the problem so what my intuition would point me to another direction and say that something else wasn't going right or, or yeah and again like going back to you know jimmy lake just wanting to have his ideal coaching staff whether that just be a really minor tweak um you know coach pow pow could have just been you know caught in the you know could have been collateral damage of that yeah no, it's interesting. I mean, like you said, I mean, it doesn't look like production was an issue just yeah. in terms of the types of tight ends they were bringing in. One thing that's worth noting is he was on a one-year contract this year. Mm. Um, so, I mean, that's what, it is yeah. like, I guess, a termination in one way. It's not necessarily like a, like an outright, I guess, firing as much as like a moving just on. Just declining without, to, yeah. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I mean, kind of thinking about what could be there? I think one one thing I've heard is that because Jordan was 
on a one-year deal and he's been productive that he might have been looking for other opportunities otherwise. I don't really mm. subscribe to that very much, you know? Yeah. Like, that's, that's kind of a big if. And, and yeah. that doesn't mean, like, just be, like, I don't know, just because he's been good and then might have another opportunity come doesn't mean he wouldn't try to keep him, yeah. right? So then there might be something else there. One's, one thing that other people have kind of brought up is if you talk about, um, I guess, just like aggressive in what Jimmy Lake might want to try to change to the offense. I mean, will the Huskies going forward be using as many three tight end sets, two tight end sets as they do right now? That could be one of the ways that they change, offensive right? Like change the personnel a little bit, not necessarily have sets where they have, and obviously Hunter Bryant makes it a little different. It's not like having mm-hmm. three Drew samples out there, you know, but having Hunter, Jack Westover and Kate Otten, and then just kind of running dive to Savon, you know, yeah. maybe there'll be a little less of that depending on who he brings on. And that could be, I guess, a reason that they thought they'd move on. All right. Well, nothing personal about these firings. Jimmy Lake's doing a good job so far in terms of uh, taking, take, kind of taking. We'll, we'll see. Let's let's let's, uh, <laughs> let's pump our brakes before we say Jimmy Lake's doing a good job. I'm mean, I'm sure he is. Although I guess we can't say he retained all of the recruits. So I can we can probably say he's doing a good job on that front. Well, a player they're gonna they're gonna look to retain or hoping to retain is Jacob Eason, and he had some pretty interesting comments following the Las Vegas Bowl. Uh, he doesn't have a decision made yet. Um, um, he says he's going to talk to the coaches and obviously his family about you know what he does coming up here. Yeah. But he did describe uh, the future of the offense as um, as if he wasn't going to be a part of that future. Like he said, you know the offense can be tremendous. Uh, they have a lot of guys coming back. Uh, these young guys will be back and better next season. So there's a lot of they, a lot of like mm-hmm. you know I wish them the yeah. best. Now. I don't have a problem with this because that as as like fortunate like telling the future as it is it'd be a lot worse if he said we because that would imply like it, it'd be a lot oh, worse sure. if uh, if fans uh, heard we and now if he goes against anything else let's say like you went against your word yeah um, lied like you, you you betrayed us like stuff like that if he was saying like we, we're going to be tremendous we're, we got a lot of good guys coming back uh, we're going to be better than ever. So just awareness, I like it. He was hell-bent on making sure he didn't use his term we. Uh, <laughs> yeah. he, like, uh, what other word could he have used, you know? Like, I, think, well, I, let, I think your analysis of it is correct. Like, in hindsight, it was probably appropriate for him to just say they. But I think you might actually be reading a little too much into this. I don't think – when I when I think of, like, players in these, like, post-game interview scenarios, like – for me personally, I, I just think like players and coaches, like their brains are off. Like they are not really? present in these interviews. Like they are thinking of like just like what do yeah. I what do I need to like what should I say? Like not what do I think, like what should I say? And oftentimes it creates that like a Weird lot of answers. stuff that really <laughs> doesn't like make a whole lot of sense, but like it's serviceable enough and I don't know, but like I've seen Jacob Eason in some like post game interview settings, and it doesn't really, I don't really get the impression that he's the most engaged person. He's like, yeah, engaged with the interview, or he's really thinking about what he's trying to say. Attention to detail. It really looks to me more, it's like, all right, what do I got to say to give these guys an answer so I can get the hell out of here? Like, that's the impression I get when I see Jacob Eason in interviews. So I just, I mean, I 
think it might be reading a little too much into it. But I don't know. <laughs> you're right. I, I do think the analysis that you have put on it is appropriate that if he did say we, he would have people saying, well, all right, well, you know, you said you're coming back. Fire, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's what you said, right? When even though I, he probably, even if he would have said it, I don't think he would have meant it like that, you know? So maybe it was smart in the long run for him to say they, but ultimately, and obviously this is speculation. I have no, I don't know this. I think that was that was him just you know speaking. He wasn't thinking about what the the, the or the implications, yeah, the implications of we his words. Or they. Yeah. yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, I kind of agree. However, I think that his decision is made, and I think that he's leaving. So, yeah. you know, but but I mean, like I think the the bigger question, or maybe not the bigger or better question, but also an equally worthy question. Does Jimmy Lake and Washington want, and I'm not saying they wouldn't take him, but are they thinking, hey, our best option at quarterback is Jacob Eason coming back? Do they not think that they have better options elsewhere? I don't know if they necessarily think that. They could, but I don't know. I think they, there's a possibility, I think, that they think Jacob Sermon is ready. But they might want him back just to have depth, compete for a spot, because it's better to have him in the room than not have him in the room. So you even if he, so? if he comes back and he and you know Jacob Sermon beats him out, uh, Jimmy Lake will just uh, will take that scenario and just uh, stick Eason behind Sermon. Uh, and he'll, I'm sure I'm sure he would like to have that on his depth chart. Now that might cause some tension uh, in the yeah. quarterback room, but on paper it's a nice it's a it's a it's a nice. Uh, it's a, it's a nice idea to have Eason come yeah. back and just be Well, a, I think that that brings room. up or that is the reason that he will not be coming back. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like why would Jacob Eason because I I I fully expect Jimmy like to say you have not like there will be a quarterback battle this spring. Oh, for fall. sure. And at that point it's like why like if I have to battle for a spot, why on earth would I be battling for a spot in college when I could be in the NFL? Like, because yeah, he's going to get drafted. For, for competing. Yeah, you know, of course he'll being get miserable. He's so. going to get drafted somewhere. So, I mean, might as well go fight for an opportunity to play yeah. in the NFL rather than college. Where, Certainly. let's be real, he might be a better fit in an NFL system than whatever Jimmy Lake's about to do <laughs> than, than a college system. Or just, yeah. Granted, his and maturity, thing- and his maturity might not be. I mean, like, that's tough to say. I, I mean, I, I might even take that. Now that I'm saying that, it, it seems like that might be uh, uneducated to say just because, like, how, you know, he he really didn't sh- show himself, to prove himself to be, like, an NFL-ready quarterback no, this year. No, no. Like, mentally, it just didn't seem like it was there. So I, I, I don't even know if I believe what I just said um, now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, well, but I think, it, but regardless, the point is that he has no reason to stay only like the downside of him coming back is significantly greater than the upside of him returning. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah, I I don't know. I'm curious of when it'll come out, but I can't imagine that that it'll be too much longer before we hear some sort of news. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, but kind of on your question, I do like, I, I do think that they would want him back preferably, you know, I think that the quarterback situation is always better when you have a returning starter, even if that guy wasn't very effective. Yeah. Um, like as much as y- you think, oh, like he might not have been ultra invested and it showed at times, uh, and they were uncompetitive in games they should have dominated. Um, 
Like, I, I still feel like you'd rather take Jacob Eason, who's started now 25 plus games in his career. Yeah, and maybe over. want maybe want was the wrong like need. Do they need? Jacob? No, I don't think they need. Yeah, him I don't think they need Jacob Eason. No, but I'm don't. sure they would want him. Like you know, you're not going to turn down that kind of talent. No, for sure, never. And he would still be the front runner in the competition. It'd still be his job to lose. You know, Sermon would have to perform out of his mind. Uh, to if you if they were about neck and neck, they would probably just stick with Eason. So. Uh, yeah, Jacob Eason, we're going to wait on his decision, but so far it's a no. Uh, he's not coming back. Yeah. Uh, UW, they beat the tar out of Boise State uh, 38-7 in the Las Vegas Bowl. And you know, everyone is saying that UW did this, uh, you know, this level of a blowout because they were super motivated. They wanted to send Chris Peterson out the right way, and that's why they played so well. Now, I personally don't believe this. I think the talent difference, that's yeah. enough to beat Boise State by 20-plus no matter on. what. Spot I mean, on. yeah, no, that, that's 100% the reason why. It's, yeah. it's not motivation. It's talent. Like, that's, I, I think, I, I, I just think that the entire Husky program, like, is there something behind sending off Pete the way he would like to be sent off with a W? Yeah. But, like, that is not what drives people or players to play on Saturday. I just, I just refuse to believe that, like, the, the, that is a me- that is for media. That is what sold tickets to that game is, yeah. is you know, Pete's farewell tour. That That's is not what got yeah. those players up uh, on what was it a Friday was it Friday? Saturday? Saturday. It was a Saturday. Saturday yeah. yeah. That's not what got them up on Saturday to go out and, and kick their ass. They went out and kicked their ass because they were just a much better team. Much more yeah. talented. Much yeah. Great, At all more. levels, bigger, faster, stronger. Yeah. I mean yeah. that that's really what decided that game. Yeah. And, and yes, they did execute well. And yeah, it was a clean game. So, but I don't think that's what. Yeah, I think to do with Chris Peterson. A, a, a worthwhile story here is I. So I'm not much of a sports gambler, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had recently only gambled on two games ever in my entire life, right? Okay. And then I would I was never going to bet on a Husky game ever, just because. Really. Like, yeah. Out of principle or Yeah, like- out of principle, exactly. It's like I don't want to be watching the Huskies and worried about my money, right? Okay. okay. <laughs> but I wake up Saturday morning and uh pull out the CBS sports app and then I saw the line was three and a half points. Gosh. And it was like, oh, and I was oh, like, that's just Holy, I'd be money. losing money, right? It was just <laughs> stupid, right? So I put fifty bucks down. I was gonna I almost put a hundred down, but I was like, that seems like bad karma. Yeah. And then but I'm kicking myself that I didn't. Yeah, right? Oh yeah. man. No, that's exactly how I, because I was in, I think I've, I told you, I, I was in Vegas like after, over the summer. Yeah. And, and I'd won a good deal of money on an NBA playoff game. And I remember just seeing like, just be standing in the, you know, the sports book room and just like looking at that, like it was Denver, Denver against Portland, some, game seven yeah. oh, of oh, okay, the okay. Western Conference semifinals. And it was just after, you know, Dame had hit that hit that shot in games or was game six or seven against uh yeah that OKC. oh shoot yes I can't remember who yeah that was game six right game six yeah 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 so it was just after it was like oh I mean Portland's Portland's bag in this they had like a plus money line and I was just like that feeling was just like this this is easy like I again I would be losing money not taking this bet right <laughs> yeah. now. Yeah. And walked away with $200 and just feeling like, you know, yeah. the biggest, baddest man <laughs> yeah. in Vegas, even though I probably like that, I probably had like the least amount of money on the line in that sports book <laughs> yeah. at the time. <laughs> Goodness. 
Yeah. No, it's, you know, it, it sometimes I, I think educated sports gambling every once in a while, I think it'll start to make more of an appearance in my life. Yeah. I, I you know, and yeah, I agree. Like I have, I definitely have friends where it's like, you guys take sports gambling way too seriously. I know. But there's it's also, crazy. I mean, I do, I do enjoy listening to it just because like the pandemonium of it and stuff like that. And it makes me, I, I feel like it makes me a more educated better if I were to like, you know, place yeah. carefully calculated bets. For sure. But I'm, I am like you're like you Luke too. I, I, I definitely, I probably, you know, I've de- certainly bet more than, than uh, the amount of times I can count on both hands. But, uh, you know, I'm pretty calculated when it comes yeah. to the bets I place. Yeah. Not just putting money out. Every we're not, weekend yeah, just we're to not do just it. throwing money out. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, don't chase that dopamine rush, even when it does feel pretty exactly. good. Exactly, because that's, yeah. that's the that's the that's the process of an addict <laughs> is, is getting yes. that good feeling. So yeah, it's safe to say that you know when Jacob Eason dropped back to throw a dagger touchdown, that he wasn't thinking this one's for you, coach. Like that's just not that was not the thought process in game or any of those players. You know, offensive no. linemen going like yeah. like pushing people into the ground, like let's go, Coach Pete, like, like for no, Coach Pete, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so the other bowl game happening uh, this weekend is the Cheez-It Bowl. And, uh, mm-hmm. and I actually visited Phoenix. You know, I checked out Chase Field, walked by it. You know, the weather was yeah. about 72 degrees. Checked out the city. And, as I, and I'm thinking to myself, like, man, the ticket sales aren't going that great for this bowl game. But it's a really yeah. interesting matchup. And Phoenix is a really cool city. It's just, I don't get it, man. Like, I think the Kook fans should be showing up in droves. It's being, play, it's being played at Chase Field, you know. So it's a, it's a unique stadium. Uh, it's, it's just... I, I think the stars should align for uh, a great bowl game, but um, it doesn't feel like uh, WSU fans are still not—they're still not willing to make that trip. Yeah, and I don't—I don't, I just don't think much has changed. Like I again, we we talked about this last <laughs> week. A lot of excitement for the matchup, not a lot of excitement for the travel. Um, yeah. Which I, you know, I just I understand that. Like I'm I'm it's certainly looking city, forward though. to watching just because of the novelty of that game. Yeah, it'll like, be ridiculous. I think everyone's excited. It's, it, for it's exactly why college football is so awesome. It, precisely, yeah. Yeah. I mean, just so opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah. Like both viable, you know, forms of offenses. So I mean, I mean, you know, it's just this matchup is super exciting. It's just, I mean, again, I like Phoenix too. My, I, you know, this season when we went to when WCU went to Tempe and I had to go out to Phoenix, like that was one of the first times I've been to Phoenix in a long time. Similar thoughts, Micah. I really thought Phoenix is a fantastic yeah. place. Really enjoyed it. But to go travel there around the holidays, the tickets are cheap. I mean, I understand what you're saying, Micah. I totally understand what you're saying. I just don't like they didn't like when you think about it. They didn't travel as well as they thought they would to San Antonio. But so, like, what makes you think they would to go to Phoenix? Closer, yeah, (laughs) maybe. Yeah, I, I just you know, I mean, not as much stakes in the game. Uh. I don't know. I just, you know, I, I, it doesn't. It certainly hasn't surprised me that that the ticket sales have been have been low from WSU's side. I'd be interested to see what they are for Air Force. Yeah, you know, I know it's kind of cool. I wonder, like, I obviously I don't know much about the academy schools and their fan bases, uh-huh. but you'd have to think that this is a pretty exciting matchup for them, right? The triple option. Absolutely. I feel like the the triple option is seen as more of a novelty than. Yeah. Than the and, air raid, while the air raid is now being semi embraced in the NFL, yeah, right. So maybe yeah, there's and, a chip on their shoulder in that. And regard. I feel like if you're at one of those, if you're at one of the academies, and 
you look at a guy like Le- like I feel like you must love a guy like Leech if you're at like it, he's such a breath of fresh air from what like the just the rigid uh, <laughs> ske- you oh, know, yeah. just like the the regimen of being at the academy and just looking at a guy like Leech just be like man that guy that guy is living right like he's doing something <laughs> right <laughs> so I, I I bet it's fun for them too you know these programs are total foils of each other that, that makes a lot right of sense. exactly <laughs> I mean just. Everything about them is just complete opposites. Yeah. Like, so I, I, you know, but, uh, you know, like we we're talking about, just not enough to, to get people out to Arizona from, get from WCU. Get them, out of their, uh, get them out of their couches and, and all. Yeah. Hey, uh, yeah. Luke, you, uh, were you going to say something? Oh, okay. All right. Well, no. well, so during this bowl game prep, um, WCU, they made the flight down yesterday. They're going to be in, they're going to be in Phoenix for Christmas. Uh, which makes me wonder, like, what the heck does WSU do during Christmas morning and, like, Christmas Eve? I mean, are they, do they go to church? Are they, are they opening presents? Are they, like, singing carols? Yeah. I, like, they're doing know, something, but, like, what the heck is it? I, you know, I'm trying to remember what, like, my brother had to do for, because he, you know, he did a lot of uh, Christmas, you know, he spent a lot of Christmases at bowl games as well but, but weren't they like preparing like at home like because usually they were like they were flying no. out like on a 27th or 28th um so at least for the past three years he was leaving on christmas day so he was at least able to you know yeah they allowed him to stay home for like the morning wake up with us yeah and, you know do some do some stuff then he was like gone by noon um but i don't you know I don't know in terms of what it's going to be like. Usually they have a lot of stuff planned out, like some sort of activity for the day. And I, you know, what that would look like in Phoenix, I do not know. Yeah, Christmas themed activity. Like on Christmas yeah, morning. I, but <laughs> I certainly feel for these guys. Like this is a rough time to be a college athlete. Like, Oh, you think so? You don't think it's like, I, oh, it's once in a lifetime. I'm never no, going to do this 100%, again. 100%. I feel this is a tough time to be a college huh. athlete. Like I know for a fact, a lot of those guys would much rather be with their families you know celebrating christmas um but they have obligations and they got you know they got to be out playing this game so it's tough i hope wcu takes care of them because it's obviously it's different you know for every program and sometimes sometimes the bulls have like an agenda of stuff to do so it it ends up not being different but you know we'll we'll see and i and i I really don't know to be honest yeah, to me, I was thinking like this is you know you're only going to play a bowl game on Christmas or during that time like a couple times Although, in your life. If I did, if I had um, to recommend, I think it would be awesome to do like a hundred and fifteen man white elephant. Like, <laughs> that would be crazy, <laughs> an insane, and give them like a budget, like you know, you know, fifty dollars a head or something like that. You know, you so need it's like, like a really gets- intimidating figure, like. For the Huskies, obviously, Tim Saha. I don't know who yeah. WSU's strength and conditioning coach is, but I'd imagine also intimidating to, yeah. like, with some hard and fast rules to keep it moving because that could take – that would maybe take a full day. <laughs> a full day, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, and that that would also uh, – that's also kind of why I thought it would be hilarious is just because that would be an all-day process. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, I really, I really couldn't tell you. Well, the quarterback room could give Christmas cards. Yeah, because which, they yeah they do this every year now. Apparently, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a great tradition. I like it. Good for Gage Guru for playing along. He looks like the most miserable person on earth right now. He uh, has <laughs> in some of the pictures we've seen from from Mr. Guru that uh, he has looked like he is ready to be done. Which I <laughs> you know hard hard to blame him necessarily. 
this is an empty look in his face like uh once this is done i can move on to the next chapter of my life right yeah also um anthony gordon's haircut not a big fan i like the subtle uniqueness i you know i was actually i was gonna say i kind of liked the long kind of raggedy hair exactly yeah it fits i thought it was kind of cool it fit his like senior year personality yeah it's like and especially to get a cut star. like to have the last game with a cut i don't know yeah it would but been i nice imagine later on <laughs> i imagine anthony like myself probably does not trust getting his haircut in pullman i won't get my haircut in pullman i feel actually you don't get your is, haircut in pullman there is a one barbershop that i i will if i need to but you like they are so booked all the time it's like you got to call in make a appointment like five days in advance and it's just like oh my god like I am such a, a walk in and get this done kind of <laughs> yeah. hair haircut kind Not of guy. Not scheduling your life around your um, haircut. <laughs> but but I, I this is kind of I, this is bad of me because I'm also particular. Like I won't just walk into like a great clips, but I also want it to be done that day. <laughs> so which leaves me very. Few did John happens. go to tight cuts on the Ave? Do you know? I think he did. I don't know because that's like kind of the place that I feel like that is your style. Place yeah right you know it's like you still want a nice haircut but like you don't want it this guy would like churn people out in like eight minutes it's crazy (laughs) but there'd always be like a nine person wait so it'd take an hour still but that's funny okay a a couple of questions about that jackson um i feel like there's probably like a ton of student barbers that garner a good reputation that is true yes and then they start doing some business around that yes i never knew anyone like that and also i just I, i mean there is a level of trust you have to have and it's like oh you know I know this guy, like, trust me, he's great. He's my friend. Oh, man, like, I don't know about this. Is this really what I want to be walking into? Um, So most of the time, I usually just on breaks and stuff. And that's what it seemed like uh, Anthony Gordon did because he uh, went back for a little while and then came back with a haircut. And I'm sure there's no shortage of places in the Bay Area to uh, get a quality haircut. Yeah, I'm sure you had a little extra time. And the second thing I want to bring up real quick uh, is: Does Pullman have like a tattoo place that's pretty common and like people trust a lot? And has a good that's reputation? a good question. I don't know because I, I obviously I mean I don't have any tattoos. Not a big tattoo guy per but se. A lot of people in college get tattoos a lot. I would I mean between the Moscow and Pullman area, I bet you there is one. How good it is, I have that's no what I'm talking clue because yeah, I've yeah. never been. But I bet you Spokane has quite a few. Because on that, a col- in a college campus, as it only takes one good tattoo place, and everybody's recommending it. You know, you see yeah. it in the gym, and they got a new tattoo. That is, you get that it? would like, be a good money maker <laughs> in Pullman, I bet you. Because I don't know if there's a tattoo parlor, huh? Yeah, and if it's professional, then yeah, it's uh, kind of one yeah. of these days when we're when we're much more established and well off. We should just brainstorm all the businesses that Pullman, Washington doesn't have. And then we should just start our own <laughs> investors group Yeah, and, and put all these businesses together that that just, I mean, in a way, just prey on the student student population. Yeah. But Demographic. We'd, yeah. <laughs> we'd, we'd be laughing to the bank. I'm telling you guys. Yeah. Maybe like a Chick-fil-A or something like that. So. Oh, yeah. That would do well. Yeah. People a like chicken, that. Yeah. That's that's another a chicken a chicken joint. Some some Possibly. really there's not like a good there actually not a good fried chicken place. There are n- like no good restaurants at UW. It's real. It's actually a shame. <laughs> yeah, there's like a lot of all right restaurants. Like yeah, it's really it's, it's sad. Yeah, <laughs> my buddy who's a GA for baseball travels obviously around mm-hmm. the country, right? Or not, yeah. I mean specifically the Pac-12, and he's like, we're like tenth on the list. Of, I w- yeah of eleven because Colorado doesn't have a baseball team. 
Yeah, so. yeah. You you have to like it's definitely not like that's close to the university. Like that that the university can call their own because there's obviously good food in Seattle. Oh, but. for sure. Yeah, but nothing like. Yeah, it's like a college spot. Mm-hmm. So according to uh, a lot of predictions, WSU, they're really kind of garnering a reputation as a real underdog in this game. Yeah. And, uh, and one of the biggest reasons is because of WSU's like, soft defense uh, and their inability to slow down the run. I would say that is the reason, and, not and also, one And also Air Force, you know, they, they, got a, they have a better defense. So it, it, it is on the defensive side, basically. That would be reason, the, the, the former reason is reason A, the latter is reason B. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah, say it goes any, any farther beyond that. Do, do you have a prediction for us? Like, you don't have to give a sore prediction, but like, are, you, are, you, are you feeling a little I less? I think WSU is going to win. I think, like, similarly to, you know, UW versus uh, Boise State, like, there is a talent difference right there. WSU is going to get a better talent than Air Force. Yeah. So they have that working for them, which very, very few times a season does WSU have that working for them. (laughs) So hopefully they take advantage of that. They do need to stop uh, inherently gimmicky offense. Um which, you know, you could claim the air raid is also, like, you have two two defenses trying to stop two gimmicky offenses. Yeah, but well, the air raid is more common in college football. Than, yeah, uh, that's true. <laughs> that, however, you know, 20, 30 years ago, that wasn't the case. Um, so, I, I mean, yeah. I, I think both of them are equally as gimmicky as far, like, and I don't think they're that gimmicky, I, but I, in terms of offenses that have a gimmick, they are two of them so you know you know take that for whatever it's worth i if i gotta predict i think it's gonna be relatively high scoring i think it's gonna be like 34 31 like it's gonna be a close game maybe even maybe a little bit uh the margin of difference might be like a one score you know yeah 38 31 34 31 wsu i i see it something like that um because i do actually think that air force will ultimately give wsu troubles you know shoot And I've brought this up so many times this year, but like if Northern Colorado can do it, uh, Air Force certainly can do it. So, you know, that's just kind of, you know, we'll see. It's interesting. Yeah. So here's the thing. Does the fact that, I mean, this is just a dumb question, but we'll throw it out there anyways. Mm -hmm. Does the fact that the Cougs uh, practice against an inherently gimmicky offense although like micah said it's very it's more common in college football and it's the exact opposite of navies so i like i think the answer is no yeah. but you know like if you're playing every day against a weird offense are all weird offenses just weird offenses no. that's yeah <laughs> the feeling. you know what's, what do they call it like the horseshoe theory you know like everything in the middle like things on either end are closer uh-huh. to each other than they are to things in the middle Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is that possible? Well, or am I, I wrong? That's how you. I, but no, I think you're right. But like, also, <laughs> just in terms of like putting together a good scout look for that offense, like anything that you try and do to try and rep- replicate. Juvonsley like Bazile's got to be big. <laughs> you would think right? so, yeah. But even like just like the execution and the speed of the triple option, like these scout guys have to try and run a triple option offense in you know a matter of a, a few weeks mm-hmm. and and learn how to run it and like there's just no way they can replicate that to the speed and the execution that air force is going to have that down no to. but if they were able to get it down they would have obviously superior athletes doing it for example gage Gubrud too yeah would be yeah, yeah. a dynamic scout 
player yeah, he can run like in that court system. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, do you think if they asked Gage Gubrud to be a scout quarterback, do you think he'd just be like, no? <laughs> well, I mean, like, I feel like he's itching is, to do something, right? <laughs> I'd hope, so, you know, maybe. I I feel like he might just be itching to be done. Yeah, you think but he's like, like just hiding <laughs> on the sideline now? <laughs> yeah, do you think he just big league him and just be like, that is beneath me? No, thank you. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I have thrown for ten thousand yards. I am no longer a scout yeah. team quarterback. Yeah, what well, he's he's literally won conference championships. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. Weird. Uh, so we're gonna give a rare mention of the Seahawks on this show because they lost their top three running backs in a rotation. And it almost became a meme how many like random-ass people threw their name in the hat to become the Seahawks running back. Yeah, right. People like, for, like, from all different ages and backgrounds. And like, you know, like, one of the guys we'll mention right now is uh, James Williams. Like, he was, I mean, he's just, he's really clinging on to hope for that NFL dream. And he mm-hmm. said, I, I'm available, Seahawks. And it got me thinking, like, what player that we know, you know, somebody from in-state – uh, would best, I guess, give the Seahawks the best chance to win and kind of like, yeah, really take advantage of that opportunity. Uh, so we, I, I wrote down like a list of like recent like guys, like I'm not going to take a 28-year-old running back, but you know, somebody that's no. recent, that's hungry. Um, and it can't be like Miles Gaskin, you know, and we want this to be quote unquote realistic, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, I think James yeah. Williams. I mean, yeah, if you're saying in state, yeah. like James know, Williams is, lo- but I mean, okay, obviously we're talking massive hypothetical here because, as we know, they already signed Marshawn Lynch and Robert Turner. Yeah, right, right. And this I, is and yeah, not happening. Was like, yeah, like this like, is just completely in theory. <laughs> um, but in state, well, I can give you guys now. A list, granted, in state, James Williams does live in Lewiston, which is technically out of the state. No, no, but he's like a recent, like oh, I'm talking UW, oh, recent graduates of Washington, okay. like somebody from like one of the local yeah, schools. Yeah, I mean, is him, a free agent. I would um, say him, James Williams. I mean, but who are the W? Who are the UW? Like, what is like Levon? Levon Coleman. Yeah, right, right. Well, I don't know about Levon Coleman. So we got we got James Williams, Keith Harrington, Gerard Wicks, um, Jamal Morrow, Gerard Wicks, Levon. If you want, Coleman. A, if you want someone to score seventeen touchdowns on twenty, <laughs> yeah. which and I'm, have like twenty-seven yards, he might be realistic giving a size, but like yeah, Levon Coleman, Sam McPherson. And then I also threw in some central running backs like Hassani Childs and Cedric Cooper. So, like, those are kind of the guys that I could see um, that are in good enough shape right now to play uh, in the NFL. Now, Hassani Childs, I just threw in there for fun, but... I have no clue what the, you know, how in shape any of these guys are. Um, Don't you think Jamal Morrow? Like, we know him a little pretty well. He's he's pretty open about yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. Um, he actually... LeVon Coleman's on the I Seattle mean, I Dragons. Know. Yeah, so that's so. I mean, at least you know he's relatively in shape. You'd think the James Williams is because of how much he's still putting his name out there. But like a Jamal Morrow, a Gerard Ricks, I have no clue <laughs> what kind of shape those guys are. Or uh, you know, I, I mean, I love my guy Sam McPherson. I think that would be super interesting. I don't know if he could succeed at the NFL level, but I mean, boy, would I love to try and find out and give him a shot because well, that would I'll be tell a lot you of right fun. now. He's lost like. 30 pounds he's still oh like okay so he's down to like 190 now so so i mean i don't know how feasible <laughs> that is in these days still love still love my boy sam yeah. but uh you know I'm i would say levon coleman. coleman i think levon coleman what about like James bishop Williams. sankey is he too old is bishop sankey too old i don't know I, because that would also be a, a, a realistic but it's not a fun i prediction it's not a fun <laughs> it's not fun <laughs> it at all fun, what's not fun, fun what's what's not fun about bishop sankey he's, uh, cool. he's just old news yeah he's, oh. like, he's had his chance he, has, he he was a starter for tennessee for a little bit okay uh 
and he's playing for Toronto Aragonauts Ar- now. So yeah, I, I don't w- even know if that's CFL. <laughs> I didn't even I didn't really pay much attention to what happened with James Williams in Winnipeg. Um, oh, did he play in the CFL this year? He signed like like for like the playoffs, like a playoff run, and he like signed Ugh. with Winnipeg. Um, I did, but I never heard how it went. So you know. Yeah, Seahawks, give him a call. Maybe maybe Cedric Cooper because he he's a good balanced running back. <laughs> yeah, all hypothetical. Uh, none of these guys are likely ever going to get a chance, so we don't know about it. <laughs> but I think it'd be fun. Levon Coleman's actually an interesting point. I forgot that he's on the Seattle Dragons. Yeah, uh, and we should say get a chance this year. I don't. Say, I think it would. It's, it's probably not not fair to say that it's likely none of them will ever get a chance. Like give, maybe next year. <laughs> Especially well, for like James Williams, right? Now. right? I yeah. mean, it's just one yeah. year. Come on. Yeah. So, uh, also, yeah, like we just want to give a shout out to Miles Gaskin for scoring his first NFL touchdown. Yeah. How about that? Uh, and he had 11 carries. It's yeah. Awesome. Finally overtook Patrick Laird. Right? Which is like, you just watch that and you're just like, is Miles Gaskin really not better than Patrick Laird? I know. It's like right. he was better in college. So it's like, yeah. why is he not better now? <laughs> what, ha- what happened? Brian Flores, tell me. I know. Well, it was funny because I remember I watched a game like three weeks ago where Miles had two carries for like 26 yards and Patrick Laird had like nine carries for seven yards. It's like, okay, let's <laughs> try switching this around next time yeah. and see how it goes. Right. Miles Gaskin, yeah. like he's in that number 37, which looks amazing on him. And he just looks like a starting caliber running back. He doesn't look too small. Um, he, and he's not, he's like five ten, two hundred pounds, which is for the NFL is undersized, but doable. You know, it's not like he's like yeah. Cohen out there. No, I, I I thought you know like he's just one of those guys because I, I feel like he's like I mean he doesn't look too small but he doesn't look he's definitely not big right he's like underwhelming he's got like a LeSean McCoy to a certain extent or, or to a certain extent you know like he had Kenny and Drake there to start the year obviously he's not gonna just dethrone him and Kalen Bellage was on the roster another physical freak right so then it's him and Patrick Laird and it was like Miles just needs his shot and I'm surprised that it even came but now that it came. <laughs> I feel like he's bought himself a few years, you know? Yeah, yeah. Which is awesome. It's so yeah, great for Miles. If he gets, uh, he probably, he's likely won't, but if he does somehow become a free agent in a year or two, uh, somebody's going to pick him up like at, at worst practice squad. Like, yeah, he, like first impressions are everything in the NFL. And he, if you, he has shown that if you just give him, you know, a workload level carry, 15 plus carries, he can give you production. And uh, that's all yeah. he can ask for. No, for sure. Right, yeah. I mean, he's at worst he's serviceable, which is great. Yeah, practice like a scout. Right, and I think like. I think probably the fact that he's not some Saquon Barkley esque big, strong, fast guy that's gonna rip sixty yard touchdowns every once in a while. That might be something that prevents him from end up like either getting a super long tenure or uh, being like I don't know, like a no doubt about or starter. But I, I feel like he's a guy who can bounce around for a while because he's patient and shifty and like you can in a pinch give him 12 carries and he'll keep yeah. the chains moving which is but awesome. i would say even like with what he's done this season i would chalk his rookie season up to a success for sure oh for sure touchdown. i was afraid he wasn't gonna make sure. the roster at first just yeah, because he was kind of yeah. buried with like yeah kalen blage and kenny and drake and mm-hmm. ended up yeah now he's starting which is crazy yeah and i mean i mean now that i say it like he probably couldn't have even. He probably didn't even have to score the touchdown to consider his rookie season a success. Yeah, no, for it's sure. It's probably just a success. The fact that he's been on the roster for all. Yeah, the, the whole time. And yeah, not not like a healthy scratch. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Seriously, yeah, has been active. 
I would well, agree that it's a very successful rookie a, season for him. A player that I called out last week, uh, Garner Minshew, because I was uh, not too happy with his decision to become a brand and produce Minshew Mania merchandise. Yeah, I really wanted him to focus on his performance, his first winning some games. And this past week was another disappointing start. He lost 24-12 to the hapless Falcons, who are the worst pass defense hey. in the league. Those Falcons just went out and beat the 49ers, so <laughs> let's let's give them a little credit here. Like Garner Minshew, I, I, hope he, I hope that he follows the Jake Browning path and lives long enough to become a villain. I'm here <laughs> for that win that happens to Garner Minshew when he starts getting booed. See, I've, I've, part of me's always wondered if that'll ever happen to him. <laughs> you know? It could. It totally could. Like, let's, let, let's be real here. Like, Gardner Minshew is famous because... And as I've said this before, he is a folk hero. That's why he is famous. He is not famous yet for the unbelievable quarterbacking abilities. <laughs> He's had bright moments where that, that have demonstrated potential and stuff like that. And which, I mean, let's be honest here. Jacksonville is clinging on to him because of the hope that he brings. Like, we, have, we finally have a young quarterback who's showing signs that, that he could develop in the right direction. If he does not develop continue to develop in the right direction for sure it could go south on him but i also think that lends to the reason why he should monetize his brand now so he can make as much money (laughs) as he possibly can even in case he does fall flat and it doesn't work out in his favor like you're here you're in the nfl you're a national celebrity make that money while you can because you don't know when it's going to go away and obviously you hope it doesn't but if it does Hopefully he's prepared. See, I don't think I don't know. The thing about him is like I don't think he could ever become a villain. I think he could just fade into irrelevance. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, I, don't I think feel like that's would, much more. He's he's a hard guy to hate. I think. almost impossible, you might say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the least likely to hate. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I does he become a villain? Well, you know how he could become a villain is if he tried to push this brand too hard, like he was trying to post stuff on social media, and that can start like maybe yeah, but he's I in think a local like, commercial or two. If like he's, he's if he's like if it's the performances are not going well, like I didn't I haven't seen him and granted I mean I don't pay that close attention, but I haven't seen him like pushing his brand on Twitter a ton this week or anything no, like that. Well he hasn't at all, basically, yeah. But yeah, I'm, so I'm like, like that could be the start of like Mitch, you're kind of distracted right now, but if he's yeah, if he's like pushing his brand and trying to sell T-shirts when the Jacks when he's you know underperforming, then yeah, I could see you know Jacksonville like, fans picking a, big deal? Uh, picking a beef with that. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's a little bit smarter than that. Um, I, I just think he's too good of a guy. He's too smart to allow something like that to allow him to become the villain. And that's why I like to separate. Like that's what, when I compare. Him you don't bite the hand that feeds. <laughs> exactly. Well, because Jake Bryant was inherently unlikable, or at best indifferent. Oh, oh man, I don't think he was inherently unlikable. I just don't think he cared about his public perception no. that much. I but, and I love Jake Browning, so <laughs> I have a I have disagree. <laughs> and like here, here's the difference. I think, and obviously there's tons of differences when you talk about Gardner Minshew and Jake Browning, but one of the key ones. Gardner Minshew does care about his public perception. Cares very much, as a matter of fact. Jake Browning does not care at all. <laughs> he cares about what people in his circle think. Um, and, and I don't think there's anything wrong for caring about your public perception or not caring. It's just, you know, personal preference. 
Yeah, just produce and everything you touch turns to gold, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert or doing commercials or uh, want to sign with a different team. As long as you perform, uh, you're going to look cool no matter what. So, yeah. Uh, a team that did not look cool this past weekend was Eastside Catholic. I don't know if you guys heard about this. Yeah. Uh, but they played in a bowl game, like a high school bowl game, against mm-hmm. a team called Marietta, which is based in Georgia. And here's what I like about high school bowl games. It puts in perspective just how good the best team in your state is or really the overall talent level in your state. Mm -hmm. Because Eastside Catholic was considered one of the most talented teams this state has ever seen. At one point, they were considered the most talented team. Now, that was disproven by O'Day when they blew them out in the regular season. Yes. Uh, But regardless, they proceeded to lose 53-14 to to Marietta, and they were down 46-7 to at halftime. Like, talk about, like... The trans, the, what is it called, Luke? The transitive property. Yeah, you know, <laughs> like if A is better than B and B is better than C, then A is better than C. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, think about that. <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah, holy cow! I, I wanted to look up to see if there are any super famous recent football players from Marietta. That is interesting. What did you find? Nothing popped up right now, at least on my uh, bruising of or perusing of their uh, Wikipedia yeah. page. However. Uh, Oh, no, I read it wrong. I thought Billy Joel, but it says Billy Joe Royal, almost. <laughs> so, that would have been sweet. <laughs> yeah, that would have been great if Billy Joel was from that. Yeah. But I think, like, also, like, we kind of buried the lead here. Like, this was supposed to be the best team of the state that also got blown out by one team in the state of Washington. Yeah. Like, so, yes, they were a very talented team individually. They had a lot of talented players. But I think the overall talent of the team has kind of been in question since they got blown out by O'Day. Including like, themselves. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't necessarily, I didn't really know about this game. I didn't see, there wasn't a whole lot of hype around this game. But if you would have told me they were going to play Georgia's best team, I would not have expected them to compete. Yeah, no. did. Yeah, no. Yeah, I, I agree. would have anticipated them getting blown out. And just for the sake of bringing it up, I'm looking at now the top recruits in the state of Georgia. So the number two recruit in the state of Georgia and number one tight end in the country, Eric Gilbert, is going to LSU. He went to Marietta. They have a quarterback who's committed to Tennessee. Um, he's yeah. the fourth-ranked pro uh, or pocket passer. In and then as well, they have another guy going to LSU that is like a defensive end, outside linebacker, who is uh, a top 130 recruit in the nation. So that's tough to, I guess. That's yeah. That's the, you're not not a lot of teams from Washington are overcoming that. And also, I mean, these are all physical monsters. Like, the tight end is 6'5", 253, and then the DN guy is, like, 6'3", 240. Which is tough. Eastside Catholic ain't packing anything like that. No, they have, obviously, they have, like... The, so, it's one of those Rogers, things, I mean, it's, right? like, I feel like the classic comparison between the South and out West. Like, like I feel like if it were a 7-on-7 seven seven tournament, Eastside Catholic might be able to hang with them. <laughs> right? Alas, it but, is not. But then you bring on the trenches, and it's just not competitive. Yeah, you might be right about that. Yeah, every single lineman in Marietta is a is a killer, and then you, but and then Eastside Catholic just has three or four killers, you know. So, uh, also a bowl game with local ties, um, St. Louis. Uh, they were on a legendary thirty eight game win streak led by their uh, WSU commit Jane Delora, mm-hmm. and then they proceed to lose to the best team in Florida, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas, thirty five to nineteen. So we just got to have perspective. If you're a WSU fan and you are really high in Delora, just understand he had four turnovers against uh, actually a good team. I mean, just because he looks pretty in Hawaii and he does look amazing 
doesn't mean shit when it comes to playing well in college. Well, then also yeah. the perspective of it being one game and he won 37 before that. True. True. Right, so there's two perspectives to have. Yeah, you got to take. But all understand, of it. he didn't leave the state. <laughs> yeah, no, Fair. I think I think you're you both. You guys are both right. Like, I think Jaden Delora is a fantastic quarterback, but like, is the talent in Florida much better than it is in Hawaii? Yeah. Yes, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, not even not close. particularly close. Yeah, it's not even close. So, did you know? Is it? You you can almost make the argument that the fact that it was thirty-five to nineteen, like that. That's a relatively close uh, the, game. I thought that, but then the four turnovers kind of like, uh, yeah. Gross. I mean, no, you don't like you don't like having four turnovers by one player, by a quarterback. <laughs> but it makes you think, like, okay, if they didn't have those turn, like, like it could you could attribute this to a bad yeah. game, like, the, and they could have played better. So, is it like some deal breaking, you know, game, like? Oh, you have to re- completely reevaluate what you think of Jaden Delora? No, but I, I mean, yeah, I think it is. It, maybe it is nice to to remind people that the odds of him coming in and winning the job as a true freshman are small. It's a it's a it's a steep hill to climb for him. Could he do it? Maybe, but nevertheless, it is steep as we've seen with Gunnar Cruz and uh, Cam Cooper. So. Yeah, maybe it is. Maybe it is a good reminder of like where he is at. But I, I do not think it takes anything away from what he has been accomplished. As he's accomplished, and, and you know, obviously programs like Ohio State and USC uh, think that he is capable of being a high level quarterback as well. So you know, I like it doesn't you know, it doesn't just completely destroy all of his stock. No, it does not. And all I'm saying is that. The momentum train that would have arrived in Pullman if he was 38 and 0 in high school and set all kinds of records, and then if one you know quarterback doesn't do good for a couple games yeah. or whatever, you know, and, and all of a sudden, well, he's 30 and 0, and I'm adding, I'm doing all these calculations, like he's yeah. got a really strong arm, he's athletic, like that all severely slows down, so like um, because yeah, but 37 and 1 ain't bad either. Yeah. Well, and again, I, I, the one loss was against like a real team, I guess. Is all in terms of high school prospects. Uh, that was a real team they faced. Yeah. Uh, it, it was like the number, and it wasn't even like the best team in the country. It was like number six going to make it number 13. But he had a good team, good year. Uh, I just wanted to uh, talk about a couple of bowl games that yeah. uh, affect the state. So, uh, last thing we want to mention is um, look, I don't like plugging kind of events that like we don't really relate to at all. Like, but this is something I think is really cool. It's the Cleats vs. Cancer game, it's happening this Saturday in Kent. At French Field, and it's uh, all, all the funds go to uh, you know just basically like um, cancer research, uh, mm-hmm. a few different groups, and it's organized by former WSU running back and Apple Cup MVP Derek Sparks. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Th- I th- think there's going to be a lot of star power at this game, a lot of alum from UW and WSU, uh, a lot of cool coaches. Like again, there's going to be over 200 players there, which with like I think there's going to be like 12 different college programs there. So it's kind of a cool. It's kind of everybody benefits. But the reason why I wanted to mention this was because of this little tidbit that kind of like, kind of like, like, oh, that's really cool. Uh, the head coach of Independence, uh, you know, from Last mm. Chance U, he's doing the coin toss at this game, and you bet your ass he's gonna take some photos, you know. Really, so that's if, interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's really sweet. You know, really it's gonna sweet. be Roman. The, 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 yeah, the that's kind of cool. Yeah, I think this is that's kind of fun, and also like this is, you know, you said there's gonna be some call like some colleges there, and I think for the most part this sounds like it's it's more. F- about having fun and just putting on a good event rather than like, you know, a showcase. Yeah. A showcase. Yeah. But like, 
this is the time of year where like preferred walk-on spots are being get, are being handed out and, and you know you're finding last minute opportunities like who knows well, what also happens. D2 and D3. Yeah, like who like that could be the opportunity you get for like a preferred walk-on spot and you know that would be cool. I don't for know. Sure. I mean, it doesn't sound like that's the the goal of it. Um but it's possible. Yeah, a lot of feel-good energy in the air. Holiday season. Yes, uh, great vibes. And- <laughs> great vibes coming out of Canada. Yeah, dreams come true, baby. All right, so uh, yeah, tickets are ten bucks. You can check it out this Saturday, December twenty-eighth, at French Field in Kent. So uh, if you want to check out Cleats for Cancer, that's where you should go. All right, well, uh, let's get ready to start wrapping it up right now. You can check us out every single Tuesday wherever your podcast from. Next week we will be doing the third annual Crunchies Award Show. Uh, which is where we give our awards for the best performers or worst performers in the state of Washington. Yes. Oh, the crunchies. I love the classic. There's a lot of uh, zany categories, uh, such as uh, biggest meltdown of a team. Yeah. Always (laughs) good good nominees for that. Always Uh, biggest player disappointment. Um, Most swag player. And of course, Washington's MVP, which is going to be really tough to give out this year. (laughs) But it's going to be fun to uh, find who was the best performer in Washington. And then we'll be tweeting throughout the week on various happenings in the football world. So follow us on Twitter at Micah underscore Chen, at Luke Monger, and at Jackson M. Garner. Our very public, very open email is MicahChen at Yahoo.com. And we'll see you guys next Tuesday, December 31st. For myself, Luke and Jackson, we are signing off. Thanks.